Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Good to be here this morning. Always an honor and a privilege to share God's Word. This morning I'm going to be sharing a familiar passage of Scripture. Sometimes the most familiar ones are the hardest ones to preach because we know them so well. But as I've spent time meditating on this, this is a portion of scripture we seldom hear on a Sunday morning. It is often preached at a funeral or made reference to on Resurrection Sunday. But I don't know that I ever heard a sermon preached on this text in a Sunday service. And I'm getting old. So, uh, if you would please stand with me this morning, turn to John chapter 11, beginning at verse 17. John chapter 11, verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yes, and Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was coming to the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. 
Jesus wept. When the Jews said, see how he loved him, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We praise you and thank you that we have this wonderful privilege just to gather here this morning to worship you, to sing your praises, to fellowship with you and with one another. And Lord, today, precious Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher today? Would you open up our minds to receive your word and our hearts to believe it? And Father, in the name and in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind Satan today so that your word and spirit might do its work in all of our hearts, my heart. And Father, to you alone belongs all the glory and the praise and the honor this day. Now sanctify us in thy truth, for your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this message, A Story of Comfort, Hope, and glory. Nothing could be more contrary to our personal comfort and more challenging to our faith than death, because it's the greatest storm we will ever face, whether it's our own or that of a loved one or friend. Grief has been described like this. Grief is like an earthquake. The first one hits you and your world falls apart. And even after you have put your world somewhat back together again, there are aftershocks and you never really know when those will happen. You know, I've been around many grieving people and they say, you know, I was having a real good day and all of a sudden I was thinking about my loved one and the tears started to flow and it was an aftershock of what had taken place earlier. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that comes a judgment. 
The first thing we see in this text is a crisis. Lazarus was sick and the family calls for Jesus. You know, isn't that just like us when somebody gets sick or uh, we notify the prayer chain or we want everybody praying because there's a crisis going on. That's our nature. Now the home of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus and Bethany was a place where Jesus relaxed and retreated from the pressures and demands of ministry. He felt comfortable and at ease, loved and accepted, honored and trusted in their home. For Jesus and the disciples, it was a place to rest and be refreshed. I think every pastor needs a place to do that. Honestly, a place they can just go, let their hair down, whatever's left, and uh, relax. Um, Jesus was in Jerusalem when he received word that Lazarus was sick. And after the, receiving the message, Jesus stayed two more days. And in the meantime, Lazarus died. There was a crisis. I'll never forget my grandpa on my mom's side. He was not only my grandpa, but my buddy. He loved me. We spent a lot of time together. We mowed lawn together. I held one half of the handle and he held the other. We walked to the mailbox, picked up the mail. It was a quarter mile one way to their mailbox. We would sit in a chair outside Snaring gophers. You know, snaring gophers is worse than fishing when you don't catch anything. It's just absolutely boring. But he had the patience to watch that striped gopher come up the hole and pull the string. And I used to sit with him in his big chair and listen to his pocket watch. He would pull it out of his bib, and I held it, and I listened to it, and pretty soon I was sleeping in his lap. He was a wonderful, loving grandfather. On my 11th birthday, Grandpa and Grandma were getting ready to come over and celebrate my birthday. It had snowed a little bit that day and Grandpa went out and swept off the car and started it up and then he was coming back to get Grandma. Grandma had trouble walking all her life I, that I knew her. She had difficulty walking and my Grandpa was a real gentleman to his wife. He always helped her. He always opened the door for her. He 
was a great example for me. Even though I don't open the door all the time for my wife. And uh, anyway, Grandma wasn't quite ready. Men, you understand that, don't you? So he sat down on the bench in the entryway of the house. And all of a sudden he fell over and hit the floor. And he died of a massive heart attack coming to celebrate my birthday. There was a crisis going on. Called the coroner to pronounce him dead. Funeral director came, picked up the body, and the whole family came over and met at our house after that. They didn't come to celebrate my birthday. It was a time of mourning. However, I did get to open a few gifts. And I'll never forget opening the gifts from my grandpa and grandma. Grandpa had made a special trip that day. And believe me, back then, to drive five miles to go to town was a big deal. And he went and he bought me a bag of chocolate-covered peanuts. And you know, I don't eat them like the Norwegians. I don't just suck the chocolate off and put it, the nut back in the bowl, okay? They were good. And then I read a card from them. And it said, with love, Grandpa and Grandma. We were taught in our home that whenever we received a gift from somebody and that person was close, we would go over to that person and shake their hand and thank them. And I burst into tears because I couldn't do that. Grandpa was gone. There was a crisis. And you know what? Come the day of the funeral, my older brother and I were the only siblings that went to the funeral. The other children were much smaller. We sat in the second row. Believe me, I know what it's like to be on the mourner's bench. And I've watched many of your families sit on those benches. It's not an easy thing. A crisis. The second thing we see in this text is there's a death and a time of mourning that went on in Bethany. Mary and Martha were disappointed that Jesus had not come. But when Jesus arrived at Bethany, Lazarus had been in the tomb four days already. Jesus, why did you wait so long? Why did he delay his coming? 
Why did he allow Lazarus to suffer and now that he had died? They had this feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. And Jesus said over in verse 4, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And then he makes a statement over in verse 14. They seem to contradict each other, but they don't. And it says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. He wasn't glad that Lazarus died. But he wanted the faith of Mary and Martha and the disciples to be increased through what was taking place and that Jesus would receive the glory. Martha asks an important question, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She might have said this with some feeling of hurt, but she saw the face of Jesus and I'm sure that her heart was melted by him. Martha held on to the promise of verse 24. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha recognized and acknowledged that apart from Jesus, she too was totally helpless. But she transferred her own suffering and grief to Jesus, and Jesus speaks words of comfort. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even though he dies. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Never die. And we're talking about an eternal death here. And when we know Jesus Christ, we will never die. We will go through the valley of the shadow of death, but on the other side, we'll see Jesus. Amen. Even the Apostle Paul over in Philippians 3, 10 and 11 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. You know, um, the third thing we see in this text is that God allows us to suffer so that we can become a display case of his glory or for his glory. It's just like a diamond seems to sparkle more brightly when displayed in a black velvet case. So the radiant beauty of Christ-like character seems to shine more splendidly against the backdrop of suffering. A 
couple of verses that have helped me, and I hope as I've shared them with others, they've helped them as well. They're found in Isaiah 57, 1 and 2, and you should write those down and look them up later, but this is what it says. The righteous perish, and no one ponders it in his heart. Devout men are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace, and they find rest as they lie in death. You know, sometimes I'm envious of those who have gone before me because I think of all the evil that they have been spared from. And we look at our world today, and it's an evil world. And he said, the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. And those who walk uprightly enter into peace as they lie in death. It's something peaceful about when the Christian knows Jesus. Mary comes running with hot tears blinding her eyes and streaming down her cheeks. She falls at Jesus' feet and she asks the very same question that Martha did. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. She was totally realistic. Her grief was coupled with a sense of total hopelessness because death is so final. Mary was worshipful and respectful, and yet in her mind she probably had this thought, if only, if only. Jesus, you're just too late. Philip Yancey in his book, Disappointments with God, talks about times we are disappointed with them. We pray and we figure that God should answer our prayers the way we prayed them. And I want to tell you today, according to Isaiah 55, his ways are far above our ways and his thoughts far above our thoughts. He might have a totally different plan than what you prayed for. But his will is good and it's perfect. Mary and her followers were weeping. And at the sight of the sound, Jesus was moved and he was troubled. And he began to weep. Over in Psalm 139, 15 and 16, there's another couple of verses you need to write down and look them up later. It says this, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret places. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I want to put that in simple, plain anguish. 
our death day was determined before our birthday. And you know, modern technology has made some tremendous advancements in the, in the medical world, but I want to tell you, your days are written in God's book. And nothing changes that. I wonder why I keep living, but evidently that number in his book hasn't come up yet. Huh? God is good. But I want to tell you this, in the beginning, we were never intended to die. Death was not a part of God's original plan. He created you and me for himself. He intended us to live with him and enjoy him forever in uninterrupted, permanent, personal, loving relationship. That's the way it was in the garden. But sin came into our lives and broke the very relationship with God for which we were created and all of us were affected by that sin. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And the consequence of sin is death, physical and eternal. Over in Romans 6.23, says, for the wages of sin is death. But, there's a but in there, okay? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? The free gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life, people. And when the believer physically dies, even though she has received the gift of eternal life and therefore is saved from eternal death, even the believer, even though the believer is immediately ushered into the presence of the Heavenly Father, the pain and grief and separation inflicted on the loved ones left behind were never meant to be. But sin caused that. And I'm so thankful that in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57, that Jesus took away the sting of death. It was removed by the resurrection of Christ. And the fourth thing we see here is a demonstration of love. Jesus, the creator of the universe, so strong, so wise, yet human, stood there with tears running down his cheek. And we might ask why. Isaiah 63, 9 says, for in their distress, he was distressed. Hebrews 4, 15, 
We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is moved, people, by our afflictions and sorrow. He is emotionally involved in our lives. Jesus wept for no other reason than he loved this precious family and they were weeping. That's the kind of Jesus I have. He doesn't leave me when I need him the most. He's there for us. And yeah, there were some doubters there that day. He who opened the eyes of the blind, man, could have kept this man from dying. Yes, he could have. You know, we can refuse the love and the affection of our Lord if we want to. Or we can embrace him and love him. Jesus gave the command here take away the stone. It was time for God to be glorified and for the faith of Mary and Martha and the disciples and those that were around him to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he performed this miracle and Jesus prayed. And I like what he prayed here. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me, Father. And Jesus gave the commandment, Lazarus, come out. And Jesus, who claimed to be who he was, didn't he? I am the resurrection and the life. That's who I am. And Lazarus was raised from the dead. And the only place, way to escape eternal death, which is separation from God in a place called hell, is by placing our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. He is our comfort. He is our hope. And all he wants from us is that he would be glorified in and through us to his glory. What a tremendous God. Fernando Ortega sings a song Give me Jesus. And we're going to play that song. And I just want you to read the words as Fernando Ortega sings them this morning. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. When I rise in the morning when I rise give me Jesus give me Jesus give me Jesus 
You can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. He's all I need when I wake up in the morning. He's all I need when I'm alone. But when it comes to die, I need Jesus more than anything. This morning, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior. You can have Jesus today. He's a free gift. All we have to do is accept him and believe in him, confess our sin, and allow him to become our Savior. And I would ask that you would pray with me today. And those of you who don't know Christ, pray to receive him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus today. And Father, you know our hearts.
You know how desperately we need Jesus. And Father, today, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Cleanse me with your blood. And make me your child. And we claim the promise, as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And upon receiving him and believing in him, we are his children. And Lord, I pray that you would then fill us with joy in the Holy Spirit and cause us to rejoice in so great a salvation in Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen. If you pray to receive Christ today, tell a friend. If somebody needs to talk to me today, I'm here. There are deacons here. I would be glad to visit with you. But I want to tell you, you can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. That's enough for me. Would you please stand and pray the Lord's Prayer with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We sent, received the benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you now and forevermore. God bless you.